This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. How the heck is everybody here on a Thursday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And the players are back on the field. Got an extra day off practicing right now, literally on the other side of our studio wall from us in the field house. It is an indoor practice today because the weather has been downright lousy here this week. My goodness. You know, the fall, wet, gray, rainy days you get around this time of year? They're here. Mm. They're here. Uh, yeah. So they're inside practicing today, and they'll do the same tomorrow. And they kind of, you know, with the game on Monday night, they push their schedule back a day this week. Yeah, they're. You can tell that's big reset today when they get back on the field, and and for most of us, tough tough loss in Cincinnati, no question about it. But players and coaches, and particularly in this building, and I know it's it's kind of that way around the league. Um, it, for one thing, there's a couple of reasons. One, they can't afford to let the loss linger. They got to go. Um, and two, it usually doesn't. And they feel they tend to take losses less hard because they've got another win to work on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're working on winning this week so they can kind of flush that away and go, uh, once they watch the film and, and do the ugly rehash of it. Um, most people get it, but don't really think about what it means. You got to watch yourself play. And all the missed opportunities and the mistakes and the mental gaffes and missed tackles and wrong alignments, it all get. I mean, they you know, listen. Hey, this is you know they get raked over the coals for it, and it's it is pretty uncomfortable, particularly in a loss like that. Um, and most of the lo- and I was just talking outside to one of the media relations guys for us. All the Bills' losses these days. It's hard to say it because it makes it sound. But they're just, they're just self-inflicted. You know what I mean? In you many really, ways, you yes. really have that feeling like, man, we did it to ourselves. That's why Ken Dorsey's getting a, taking a beating this week, right? Because it's like, ah, we did it. You know, well, why can't you? Don't let him do that. Don't don't call that play. Don't do this. Don't do that. And yeah. Why did you do that? What? How about him over there? What's it? It's like all these self-inflicted losses. That's the way it's been for the Sean McDermott era. With less than a handful of losses have been like that. You know? Have mm-hmm. been like double digit losses where it's like, ah man, that team has Yeah, once Josh became the starting quarterback, there haven't been many losses it doesn't where happen. they got run out of the gym. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. It happened like Indianapolis did it to us in the regular that's season. The last once, one. And that was because, you know, I keep saying that's we put them out of the playoffs and man, they were focused, man. That team was not gonna lose. Well, to and they found a run play that worked for them and they ran it to the left and they ran it to the right, probably on twenty of their last thirty plays of the game. We couldn't get them off the field. Yeah. And, and all the other losses or most of them, like, you know, the other or like like the playoff loss to Cincinnati this last year. It's just um but outside of those, and that's really like three, it's just like, man, we did it to ourselves. I mean, that's how good this team is. But it's also, it also, you know, in sharp relief, it tells you maybe what the problem is. It's us. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the crusher of it. Yeah. Uh, Coach McDermott addressed the media about an hour ago. And one of the more interesting things that he said, he was asked by a media member about being five and four, which is the first time after nine games the Bills have been five and four since 2018. 
which was Josh's rookie season. He missed five games due to an elbow injury that season. The team finished 6-10. and 10. They did not have an offensive line to speak of. And he said, he was asked, you know, you're 5-4. and four. How do you approach the back half of this schedule knowing your margin for error has been considerably reduced, you know, if you want to make the playoffs? And his response really had nothing to do with the question. All he said was, I'm confident in our players, I'm confident in our coaches, I'm confident in our team, and I'm confident in the organization, and our players are motivated to put their best foot forward. So we've talked about course correction with this team before, and losing back-to-back games has not happened yet this season. They have alternated each of the last six weeks, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Uh, and we saw that before, too. There, that happened in 2022, where there was a short stretch there where they were winning, or 2021, sorry, where they won a game, lost a game. There was, it went from week five all the way to week 13. Won a game, lost a game. Won a game, lost a game. Um, you know, and then they kind of righted the ship down the stretch, won their last four. And as Steve has said before, played some of their best football going into the postseason. I, I wouldn't mind a repeat of that, quite frankly. This is also, uh, although I hope they get on track sooner than the last four weeks of the season because by then right. it might be too late. Last, last year they kind of um, they went through that stretch in the middle where they lost to the Jets and lost to the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings' loss was an absolute atrocity. Um, oh, you want to talk about helping the opposition. Right. And then that was, and the, then, that was the masterpiece. And then this team went on a six-game heater and won six straight. Um, the closest one being, uh, there were two three-point wins in that. The rest of them were blowouts, and and then the Cincinnati Bengals game happened, and then they, you know, they they finished out the season, but um, with one more game against New England that they won. So out of their, you know, there was from week eleven all the way through week eighteen, you know, with the Cincinnati game being thrown out, there was no loss. They didn't have a loss um, with this crew. I'm so they got a. It's under, it's there, and that's why it's so frustrating to be a fan of this team these days. When they lose, it you know, it's self inflicted a lot of times. It's single point loss, singles possession losses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this today you kind of get the vibe like okay, who, they, they kind of stood up and said okay, hold, they kind of did this you know kind of like, all right, let's go, you know, we're gonna reset and let's play. Uh, Monday night against the Denver Broncos, we'll see if they have what it takes to get that back on track. Bill's practice updates are presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. And there is a, there are some nicked-up guys in Buffalo secondary. Tell me something that you haven't heard before. We already know Tredavious White's been lost for the season since week four in the win over Miami. Not practicing today due to injury. Christian Benford, hamstring. Micah Hyde, he left last week's game with a stinger. And... Safety Jordan Poyer has a leg injury, according to Coach McDermott. All three of them are not practicing. Coach McDermott called them day-to-day in terms of the nature of the injuries. So I guess that's good news, that nobody's week-to-week. Leonard Floyd also not practicing due to illness. And then practicing on a limited basis, but still in the concussion protocol, is middle linebacker Terrell Bernard. So the good news here is he is in stage four of the five-step return-to-participation concussion protocol because he's already doing football-related activities here on Thursday. 
Now, that doesn't guarantee that he's going to get out of the concussion protocol come Monday night's game, but he is, he is advanced in the return to participation protocol. He's not on step two, which is just doing light aerobic exercise on the side with you know, uh, strength and conditioning coaches. He's participating in practice. That is an encouraging sign, and hope you would hope he could get out of concussion protocol by the weekend so he's eligible to play on Monday against the Broncos, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, we've seen players come get out of concussion protocol in the span of a week before. Josh Allen did it, as a matter of fact, after he got a concussion yeah, against if, the Patriots a few years ago. If you're new to this, it means what they do is they do something on one day, and if it's okay the next day, then they can do a little more, and then a little more, and a little more. And there's yeah, they five, run a baseline test every day. Five. There's five levels of that. Once you get through the fifth one, you come back and after the fifth day of doing everything you're supposed to do and you know breaking a sweat, going hard, practicing, getting your heart rate up, and all of that going pretty intensely at practice, if you come back the next day and it's, nah, well, then you're still in. Yeah, you're still, and you're, you're still, still where in. you were. You don't advance yeah. to the next step. Um, but as long as you come back and say, yeah, I feel pretty good, then that's it. And they have you're baseline testing to corroborate that. Because at the beginning of the season, every player has a baseline test so that when you do have a concussion and the readings are different, there's a comparison. This is what he is when his brain is functioning normally because it is a brain injury. We all know that. And so they test him every day after aerobic activity. Practice would qualify as that. And so, yeah, you just got to kind of hope that he gets through the week okay no ill effects, no return of any kind of concussion-like symptoms, and he can get out of concussion protocol because I'll tell you one thing. Last week, you know, I'm calling the game, Steve, and I was fully aware that they only dressed four linebackers because I'm watching warm-ups, you know, and there's Bobby Babbage, and he's standing there with four guys, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because Balen Spector was out injured. It's a smaller meeting than the the officials meeting. Yeah, A.J. Klein (laughs) was out with a back injury. So I'm looking at Tyler Matikavich, Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard, and Dorian Williams. That's it. And then Bernard goes out with the injury. I was like, oh, boy, we're down to three now. Yeah. And two of them are playing, like, all four special teams units. So, yeah, they got shorthanded in a hurry there. And it was a little disconcerting. So uh, put me at the front of the line. In terms of people that will be happy if Bernard can get out of concussion protocol and play yeah, and you can, on Monday night. Uh, you know, the, it'll be interesting to see, too, uh, what the roster looks like. And you get into the nuts and bolts of it. And, and Brownie and I do it all the time. Most people don't give it too much thought, and, and rightfully so. You just say, well, who's going to play? Who's the next guy up? Some, once in a while, stuff like this happens where you're, you're a little light to begin with at the position group because of, you know, injuries or just, you know, because you want to go heavy in another spot. And all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, man, we're in, we're, we're in a pinch here. And then all you got, yeah. you got Taylor Rapp coming down playing linebacker, Jordan Poyer going into the box, Poyer, lining up behind the defensive tackle. Uh, it's an issue. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see the nuts and bolts of, what, of how it goes because a lot of times – Guys like Brownie and I, we get a tip off as to what the game's going to look like by looking exactly at who's going to be active. Like when Andy Isabella came up, when Knox went down, it's like, oh, here we go. You know, and sure enough, they were in no huddle and went three wides and a tight and went. Yeah, he didn't play you know? on offense, but yeah, I know. But what they had saying. to have a back, they had to have yeah. a spare tire. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I wonder um, going forward what we could be looking at on the defensive side of the ball, knowing how banged up they are as a group, hopefully. 
you know, these guys progress through the course of the week because, you know, if somebody like Benford can't get back from that hamstring injury, remember this hamstring injury cropped up last week on Thursday. And then by the time we got to the end of the week, he was, he had no designation on the injury report. He was fine. But then that defense out on the field for almost 70 plays last week, you know, he, he had taxed the hamstring to the point where it had pulled on him and he had to come out of the game for the last quarter and a half. So do they rest him this week? You know, we'll have to wait and see if they do. You're probably looking at Rasul Douglas and Dane Jackson outside. And then is Josh Norman getting elevated from the practice squad again, or is it Jamarcus Ingram? You know, you, you need another guy. Right. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. And then obviously, with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer both nicked, you know, what's the status there? Yes, you have Taylor Rapp, but they got Cam yeah, Lewis. DeMar Hamlin's be, probably up then. DeMar Hamlin comes so, up, yeah. So, yeah, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to keep an eye on this week with respect to Buffalo's secondary, which yeah, just the, can't seem to catch a break the Bills, injury-wise. The Bills' defense, forget about on the field, but their roster defensively is being held together by Scotch Tape and Staples. And it is not pretty, and it's pretty fragile. So, um, yeah, they've got some they've got some issues to deal with, and and they're kind of, you know, kind of balancing. It's like yeah. you know, you're like it's like they're on the tightrope yeah, with the big long pole. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They don't want to make a ro- a false move, and you're hoping it's not too windy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it is Thursday, which also means here on One Bills Live that the football relationship hotline is available for you. It's presented by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Buffalo Bills. And for those of you that are unaware of what the football relationship hotline is, it's basically our public service to you, the listener and the viewer at home. We know that this time of year, your football viewing pleasure is the number one priority over everything else this time of year. But sometimes your life, your relationships, your family, your extended relatives, your friends can get in the way of your football viewing pleasure. We have the answers on workarounds for you as to how to solve these problems that get in the way of your football priorities here in the fall and soon to be in the winter. So you can give us a call at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. And Steve and I will have the solutions for you because we've often had to make use of many of these ourselves. So if you have a dilemma and you're worried, like, you know, Monday night, usually there aren't too many conflicts with a Monday night game. But if you're coming to the game, maybe your boss isn't letting you out of work early enough so you can't get to the tailgate on time. What are you going to do there? Whatever problem or dilemma you have that's getting in the way of your football priorities, you let us know, and we're here to help you at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. And if you can't call in, you're also able to hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. We're happy to answer uh, any football relationship issues there as well. And as a matter of fact, I think there are a couple here right now, Steve, that we have to get to. Got to solve these people's problems. First one comes from Glenn. He says... My wife got some hard-to-get tickets for a Christmas light show at an awesome park-slash-garden in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. 
She picked December 10th as our day to go, and it happens during the Bills-Chiefs game. Please help. Well, the Bills-Chiefs game is a 425 game right, on but December 10th. It'll be dark. <laughs> well, yeah, Unfortunately. and that's why the light but, show is starting as early as it is, presumably. You can't, like, go, like, later in the evening. It like, looks like it is a ticketed shows. Looks like it's a ticketed event. Usually those light shows, are, aren't those the ones that kind of drive through? Or I would think. Oh, yeah, come on. So, you know, if, you got, if you're in Myrtle Beach, you'd probably have to go satellite radio route to get the game. Yeah. In, in South Carolina. The ticket is the way to go because you, you can have the game on your phone then. But um, hard to get tickets to a Christmas light show. Although, you know, Beach. now that I'm thinking about it, I think the Odyssey app works down there. Because my mom's in South Carolina well, and she uses the you, Odyssey app to listen to the games. The Odyssey app should work everywhere. It's the internet. It's the <laughs> internet. Um, it's that daggum internet. It's the intranet. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah I, I would I would I would focus in and hone in on exactly when you got to be at this light show. And I don't want to snicker because I've done the same thing. So, if it's a drive-through thing, hard what hard to get light show tickets. What are that? I I, I don't know. I'm not specific sure. I don't I this, don't This must be a major event down there. I don't know the specific event you're talking about that's hard to get light show tickets. Uh but if it's if it's a drive-through thing, you should be golden because you can go at any point, but if it's a something you got to sit down for, what is it like a fireworks show or what? Yeah, lasers, <laughs> laser, lasers. or maybe it's one of those new things they got the drone shows where they make. Yeah, so you're so let's just say, let's just say it's a drive-through event. Very often, those drive-through events have a dedicated radio station frequency to provide audio accompaniment oh, yeah. to the light shows. So the if the radio is taken off of the option list for you to listen to the Bills Chiefs game, this is when you have to turn to your phone. And that's when you use the Odyssey app yeah. and pop the ear pop the earbud the air the earbud in your in your ear yeah, you gotta, and listen to the game that way. If you're driving, obviously put it in your left ear so your wife can't see it. And <laughs> you gotta grind down to you get go. you gotta get grind down on the schedule. It's a four twenty five game. It'll be over at seven twenty five or certainly well before eight. And you so push if it's one of those things where you drive through and one of like one of those light shows do that if it's at a venue and it seriously starts at like six yeah you got to go ear earpods earpods that's all there is to it Andrew asks help me solve the biggest issue in Buffalo pertaining to the chicken wing which is better, the flats or the drums? My wife loves the drums and I love the flats, but which is better? Dude, that's a match made in heaven. Dude, what are you You're talking never about? fighting over the wings. That's right. You get half and half. That, I'm a, I'm that a is flat not guy. a dilemma. That is, a, that is the holy grail of solutions. That's right. You're gold. Uh, don't solve that problem in fi- my fight. <laughs> oh, my God. Leave it alone. <laughs> because if, if You're your winning wife, already. Because if your wife finds out that the flats are better, she starts eating your wings. Yeah, I... Do, do not touch that with a 40-foot pole. Yeah. You are already winning, my friend. Here's what you this do. This is not a dilemma. Here's what you do. You tell your wife, you're right, honey. The drumsticks are better. You <laughs> eat those. I'm going to sacrifice. Yes. I will eat them. Secretly, he likes the flats. Anyway, I will eat the flats. I will always give you the drumsticks because yeah. that's how much I love you. There you go. There's uh, your you answer. you got to spin it in your favor here. This and is so- a golden <laughs> opportunity wasted. You're worried about yeah. proving yourself right. 
act like you're making a sacrifice that's, by letting yeah, her eat the one she likes mi- best. Yes, you're, you can't miss this opportunity. Honey, you are so right. And because you're right and I love you so much, I'm going to eat the flats for you. Yeah. You just take all the drumsticks. You so, want. Andrew, that is our advice for you. Do yeah. not worry about the now, debate as to which is better. I don't. Do you have a preference? Focus on how it serves you best. Right. Do, do you do you have a preference for? I really drums? don't. Um, yeah. There's I'm, something about the meatiness of the drum that's appealing to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, I don't. I don't mind flats. I will I'm say it is guy. tougher to get all that oh, meat yeah. in between the two bones. That's why of people the flats. don't like it. Um, so I like a, the flats. It, it involves a little more work. So I got to tell you, I like the flats better i think they're i think they hold the sauce better they do and well maybe but they also um they're more a little more consistent because sometimes the drums are a little bit some are fat some are skinny and the flats are usually you hit a gamey part of the yeah i'm I'm just a flat guy i can't even put it into i don't know why i don't i don't know why i i'm i'm really not a discriminatory yeah, I mean, I'll eat both too. I mean, yeah, what am I going to do? You're I, turn down a I don't discriminate. I, I'm, but I'm a flat guy first and foremost. But that's a yeah, that's a great Andrew. Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to you got to spin it, bro. Yeah, switch, flip the conversation there. Say, it's not a problem. Yeah, honey, this, this is the holy grail. Honey, you know how many guys out there would would kill to have a wife who likes the opposite kind of wing that they do? That's right. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, we've turned you on to. Yeah. Uh, spinning this in the best possible way for you and uh, you alone. Because that's what it's all about there, right? Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones, though. And we're going to lead off here with Steve and Amherst. And these don't have to be football relationship hotline questions. If you want to talk bills, we're happy to do that. But if you have a football-watching dilemma and you need some help because your family's getting in the way, your job's getting in the way, you let us know. We've got answers for you. But let's go to Steve and Amherst. What do you got for us, Steve? I want to make a very simple statement in layman's terms and i've been waiting to call you because i think i'm seeing a pattern here okay my statement goes like this millie vanilli breeds familiarity so we're going with the dink and dunk short passing game and we want to run the ball a little bit but i've got something i'm thinking are we shortening our game plan meaning we have a little bit less of a play selection so week in and week out, defenses are watching the film and they're seeing that maybe they can play to those tendencies and hurt us and cut us down. So I was thinking, you know, a simple term we've all been saying, we can unleash Josh in his feet and his arm, and then the solution would be to try to go deeper into their zone and try and get over the middle on the deeper passes. That way we have more play selected and hopefully that could keep them off balance and we can win football games. Ah, good stuff, Steve. Thank you. Um, you're right. It is a common thing where – and it doesn't <clears> – at this point, because of the way – as sophisticated as the teams are and how far into history we've gotten, um, teams have always looked at tendencies and schemes of teams to see if they can get on top of them. And that's what these guys study film about. If they get into a certain formation um, – and that's why, guys, that's why continuity is such a big part of playing defense in the NFL. You've played this defense so much, teams get a handle on what you're going to do against certain formations and people. And so defenses get an idea of, like, we're, when we get hit, we get hit, we're vulnerable here and here. That's where we kind of expect them to try and hit us because that's where we, you know, that's where we're struggling. That's where we're thin. So they kind of – it's the same thing that way. When they see offenses – 
that don't run too many schemes or different concepts, yes, they will start to play tendencies. It's time. Yes, absolutely. Um, It gets harder and harder to be good at your offense when teams know the concepts you're going to run or have at least a handle on them. That's why week to week there's window dressing. There's window dressing and variances and wrinkles so that when they commit to stop what you've done and what you're coming, you've got this wrinkle. It takes, wow, got them. Uh, That's how you run an offense. You do some stuff that you do really well so that the team has to kind of bear down and kind of, kind of sell out to stop. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of got to sell out to stop what you do best. And then you give them what you do best. And then, Oh no, I didn't Here it is right here. And you, you throw it over the top. Or you get them committed to this run, and all of a sudden it's a it's a screen to the other side. That kind of thing. You give them a wrinkle that makes it look like what you do best, and then do something that they're not expecting. That's football, and teams have been doing that since before I came into the league, and they'll be doing it long after I get out of the league. Yeah. So um, yes, it's it's the way it works, Steve. You're right, and that's the job of Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen and and Joe Brady and all those guys in there to come up with stuff every week that will work not only against the defenses that they're, that they're going to play, but their guess at what their def- that defense is going to look like against your offense. So this, you know, last week, the Broncos, or two weeks ago, the Broncos were paying, playing the Chiefs. Their defense is going to look different against the Chiefs then it will look against the Bills. And you got to kind of figure out how they're going to see your team differently than they saw. the. Chief. This, is like, this is like this mental puzzle I'm drawing out here. But So that's what you have to do. That's what game planning is. Yeah. So um, you're right, Steve. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the idea. you got to get those guys to think they know what you're going to do and do something else. Let's go to David in Orchard Park next. What do you got for us, David? Hi, guys. I think I got one where you might just advise me to surrender, take the safety, and uh, live for Monday night. Okay. My wife and I are going to be driving uh, back from a place on Sunday, and I would rather listen to any other NFL game on the radio that can be found than the easy listening or John Denver on loop that I'm probably going to have to hear. What do you got for me? Because I can't think of a way to talk her into – if it were the Bills playing Sunday afternoon – She'd be great. Let's listen to the game in the car. It's not going to be the Bills on Sunday afternoon, so I'm not sure what to do here. Oh yeah. So you got to you, you, yeah, you don't have yeah. the pull of a Bills game to convince you. Yeah. Okay. This is this is like uh, the opposite of it. Yeah. Right? I mean, you might you might want to negotiate and tell her, hey, is it all right if I listen to you know the NFL app on my phone and just put one earbud in so I can listen in one ear, and that way you're not totally shutting her out. By putting both AirPods in, you're just putting one in so you can kind of keep a casual ear on whatever yeah. game or whatever fantasy player you're hoping scores a touchdown for you this week <laughs> on Sunday, and then say, you know, I, I'm i here, you know, but I just want to kind of keep a, a casual ear on, on the game because of A, B, and C. Is it all right if I do that? And yeah. I can't see... At, yeah, talk about it way beforehand, and, and there, the technology is available for her to have her own sound system with earbuds, or you to have your own sound system. Yeah, who's driving? That's probably a yeah, big... and you. If, uh, that'll be me, but you know, there's driving, and then there's driving. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think you got to try to do an AirPod in one ear, see if she's 
cool with that. I mean, or you don't give want... her two AirPods and let her have her own thing. You can listen to their car radio yeah, so while you, you can, drive. Because you, can you can't really have your ears covered up while you're driving. Um, I, I, I travel with Bose with noise cancelers where you can put them on a playlist as well. You can have your own sound system, yeah. you know, aside from everybody, like when you travel in airplanes and stuff like that. Yeah, but this is different. You're in the car with the wife. Right. You don't want to ignore her. Uh, so. Let her, you might be the better move, might be to give her the AirPods and let her listen to what she wants to listen to. Um, let her shut that you sounds out. sounds like it's going to be the move, I think, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would get, I would let, her have her super surround sound headset because the best part of that is now you're not listening to John Denver. All due respect to John Denver, but you gave me a horrible flashback when you mentioned his name because I was brutally subjected to John Denver music in my house as a kid. My mom loves that guy. And I mean, it was endless, endless. I'm telling you, he's got some hits, but holy cow, there's only so much John Denver you can take. Be careful. I don't want any John, John Denver bashing in this. Actually, I love the guy too, but you know, 500 miles. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. All right, David. Well, right, good, good luck, luck with Dave. that. Let us know how you yeah, make call out. Call us back and let us know how you do. Hopefully that works. We've got to take a break here, though, because when we come back, it's time for the ultimate fantasy lineup for, what is it, week 11? Week 10. Week 10. Got week 10's ultimate fantasy lineup, and that's coming your way, courtesy of FanDuel and ESPN NFL Insider Field Yates next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And every Thursday we check in on your fantasy football pleasures, and we do it with none other than ESPN NFL insider Field Yates, also a fantasy football expert, as he provides you the ultimate fantasy lineup. Presented by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Download the app today and make every moment more. How you doing here, Field? Good to see you here in Week 10. Gentlemen, I am doing well. Uh, good to be with you and a little bit of a long, long week for you guys, right? I'm not a huge fan of NFL teams playing back-to-back primetime games, but perhaps others feel differently as the Bills will be once again on the national spotlight on Monday night over on our airwave on ESPN. Yeah. Very exciting times. Yes, they, uh, they've got a ton of these. They've got like one one o'clock game left on the schedule. The rest of them are 425 right? primetime. So, yeah, it's crazy. They've yeah. got four, four twi- crazy. They've got this 815 game and then four games in a row. They're at 425 and then another 8 p.m. game. Wow. And then they have oh. the 1 p.m. game against uh, Patriots on December 17th. So, yeah, we are uh, – Wow. We are late no, in the December day. December 31st. We are late in the day kind of people these yeah, days. New Year's Eve is the next one o'clock. Yeah. And I know you're yeah. kind of used to this, and, but let me just say this. We, we're getting ready for these night games that, that are kicking off at 8.20, 8.15. It feels like 2 a.m. by the time they put the ball in play. Steve has to take a nap. I, uh, Steve, I'm with you, my friend. And maybe <laughs> it's just the, the having two kids under the age of two right now. But my goodness, I, uh, I try to give up coffee a little bit recently. I do have a <laughs> cup of tea right here yeah. that I am trying to uh, – I'm I've made it through about half in about 30 seconds since I made it just before yeah. I walked up to my office to do this segment. But uh, I yeah. am living off of caffeine these days because these Thursday night football and Sunday night football, Monday night football, I swear they never start actually at 8.15. It's yeah. always like 8.27 by the time the ball is actually kicked. I'll say this too. Um, at, and during the fall and as it gets closer to December 21st, which is the, you know, the solstice – 
or the yeah the, yeah, the, the winter solstice. the winter solstice, it gets dark at like four. <laughs> so <laughs> it feels like it feels like it's been you know it feels like it's been dark <laughs> for like hours. It has been dark for hours and hours before the yeah. game even takes off. Oh my gosh, it's, cru- it's, oh, it's brutal! It's yeah. brutal! It's brutal! All right. I know. What kind of toughness are we showing? Now, Steve, know, actually, right? you are obviously legendarily tough. I mean, one of the yeah. greatest players in NFL history for a reason. Uh, Brownie and I are not tough. Yeah. We just either talk it or, or think we are. So, yeah, let me just say um, and yet, that's why we stick to room. things like fantasy football instead. That's yes, right. And I'm yet, soft and yet, in my old age. Yeah, Steve is the one that complains the most, though, out of all of us. So there it is. Uh, <laughs> your ultimate fantasy lineup begins with a quarterback who, you know, has his play has been a little uneven of late. Um, but I'm guessing value is is the play here. Yeah, value and matchup here. Brownie is uh, Geno Smith takes on the Washington Commanders, a defense that has not been particularly good this season. Uh, they traded away their two best pass rushers in Montez Sweat and also Chase Young yeah. last week. And while they ended up winning the game against the Patriots, they did not sack Mac Jones once, uh, something that uh, has not been a strength for New England this year. So to give you a sense of just kind of the defense, Right now in D.C., uh, so Geno Smith playing at home. You're going to see a little bit more Seahawks love in this lineup, a little bit further down the card. But Geno priced under $7,000, not normally a price you can get for a quarterback who has as good of a matchup as Geno Smith does in, uh, in Week 10. I mean, while you do stack some of these matchups, there is kind of a wide range across across your lineup. You get to the running backs, and it, uh, it's it's pretty good run. I, I like him. Joe Mixon, we know, can play. The other guy um, – I have never heard of Rico. Dowdle. I didn't know no Rico Dowdle was <laughs> Rico a guy Dowdle. until yeah. your fantasy this is a deep lineup cut right here. Yeah, this is what makes daily fantasy fun. All right, so Joe Mixon, not a whole lot of explanation needed. The clear cut number one running back in Cincinnati. They play the Texans, a bottom ten run defense this year in terms of fantasy points per game allowed to opposing backs. Rico Dowdle is the backup to Tony Pollard. You're probably saying to yourself, "You have a backup in your lineup." Well. If this game between the Cowboys and Giants goes anything like the first game went, Rico Dowdo could be playing significant snaps from like the third quarter on. The Giants are down to Tommy DeVito at quarterback. They have been without several key players on both sides of the ball due to injury. The Cowboys, I think, are frothing for an opportunity to win big after a disappointing loss last week to Philadelphia. So um, I don't like to go out on this much of a limb that often. But Dowdell could legitimately see 12 carries on Sunday, and if he finds the end zone, would be enough to pay off at the price point that he is at. Yeah, he's a bargain for yeah. sure. I, there's no debating that. All yes, right, so let's, let's spin to receiver here, and it's an yeah. interesting cross-section of choices, uh, especially your last one, knowing what you yeah. just told <laughs> us about Washington having trouble defensively of late. Yeah, so let's go to Amon Ross St. Brown, priced at 8600 bucks for the Lions. Another guy that needs little explanation, but that Chargers defense that he's facing has looked better at times recently. I think you guys obviously know that with the Jets, the reason why the Chargers defense looks so good is in part because of how bad that Jets offense is. They are just completely inept right now, especially along the offensive line and under center with Zach Wilson. Same game, other side of the coin, Keenan Allen, $9,000, a big price tag. But gosh, how good has that guy been this season? And even against an awesome Jet secondary this past Monday night, he had another brilliant game, eight catches for 77 yards. And then finally, Jamison Crowder. And the idea here, again, paying down, Crowder draws the Seahawks. If you're going to attack them, it's not going to be 
against Reek Woolen, their standout cornerback who's in the second year, or Devin Witherspoon, their standout rookie cornerback. So you're looking for the third wide receiver slash third cornerback in Seattle, which could be Jamison Crowder, a uh, familiar face, of course, to Bills fans during his tenure there. Uh, back in Washington, had a good game two weeks ago, and has been playing a decent amount for a guy that was kind of floating at the beginning of the season. So you get down to your tight end and your flex position. Dalton Schultz, uh, Houston at Cincinnati, uh, going back to this matchup. Yeah, right back to it. And with Dalton Schultz, it's a part of uh, the fact that the quarterback, CJ Stroud, has been excellent of late. But as you guys saw uh, at uh, this past week, uh, this Bengals defense is very good, but they've really had a blind spot in terms of defending opposing tight ends. No team has allowed more fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends than Cincinnati. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, the other Dalton amongst tight ends, had a wonderful game this past Monday night. He has been brilliant over the past three weeks for Buffalo. Uh, and part of that is not just because he's a very, very talented guy, but because the matchup is really good. So maybe Dalton Schultz can follow the lead of the younger Dalton Kincaid and take advantage of this matchup uh, when playing against Cincinnati. As you guys know, you're going to have to find a way to catch up. Um, even if they might be limited at wide receiver, there's some reports that uh, both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are not practicing today. Um, but still, an explosive offense, and Dalton Schultz uh, should be a busy man uh, on Sunday uh, in this game that all of a sudden feels a whole lot more fun. Your flex player, a uh, bit of a feast or famine guy, it has seemed, this season. Yeah. How do you kind of nail that down and hope your matchup favors you? Well, Brownie, the second part of that led me to the first part of that. It's the matchup, and it's C.K. Metcalf playing against this commander's team. And, you know, there's this funny thing about fantasy football is that, you know, we spend all week analyzing things that we think are going to happen, and we agonize over lineup decisions. We go back and forth, and we sub a guy in, sub a guy out, wonder to make the right choice. Did we not? And then sometimes the games begin and this totally crazy stuff happens. And so with DK Metcalf, he's kind of been in that totally crazy stuff happens category this year because there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to the games in which he has broken out and then games in which he has been quiet. His most recent game was his first game under 10 fantasy points this entire season. He hasn't had a lot of boom weeks, but if I'm going to put my money behind Geno Smith, I'm going to have to support that by putting my money behind DK Metcalf. So that's why he ends up in my flex spot. So then you get down to the bottom of Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, when we get to these, and we know that, you know, it's kind of a throwaway, not really a throwaway, but whatever's left, you kind of get what you can afford. Um, why Pittsburgh Steelers going against Green Bay is, you know, in this spot, and I'm sure there's a bunch of defenses around this price point. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Steelers uh, just have, I, I, you know, I sometimes when you speak in, uh, in superlatives, people get mad. I would argue one of the best pass rush duos in the entire NFL and TJ Watts and Alex Highsmith. They've been terrific this season. I don't know how the Steelers are five and three, to be honest with you guys, though. Uh, I think it's mostly because that defensive front's that good. And Green Bay, you guys have watched them much this year on offense. It's just terrible so far this year. They just can't get out of their own way. Uh, they've had injuries they've had to deal with, but just not a good team right now on the offensive side of the ball. So I was willing to pay up a little bit for that Steelers defense to get the benefit of facing a Green Bay offense that has not been very good. Um, and, you know, on these defenses, I try to chase teams that either generate a lot of sacks or turnovers. Sacks are much more predictable than turnovers. Turnovers are sometimes a matter of, like, just good bounces, you know, fumble luck or 
not dropping interceptions, things of that nature. So I'm chasing the sack potential here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I feel almost as confident that the Steelers' defense will score in a given game as I do their offense will score in a given game. Yeah, it, it's yeah. hard to believe they're 5-3 and three, knowing they have been outgained in every game they have played this season. Yeah. It's remarkable. A smoke and mirrors act for sure in many, many, many ways. Quickly field on Bills-Broncos since it is a game on your network. You might as well weigh in here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Broncos, winners of two straight, also coming off the bye. So who knows what Sean Payton has cooked up and the extra time he had to prepare. And, you know, the Bills looking for another bounce back, and they've alternated wins and losses each of the last six weeks. Yeah, this one to me is actually fairly straightforward in terms of what Denver wants to do. Wants to do. They want to do to Buffalo what they did to Kansas City. They played a molasses pace against Kansas City in the fi- final game prior to their bye. Now, the only way that you can do that is twofold. One, you got to be able to rush the passer on on defense because that's going to disrupt everything that the Bills want to do or anybody wants to do offensively. That's just how football works. And then the Broncos' offensive approach the last game out was to ride Javante Williams. 30 total touches for Javante, 27 rushes, three catches on three targets, and they were really able to turn that into like a Big Ten-style football game. So for the Bills, a hot start eliminates that right away because it's really hard to run the football and just bank on your defense, keeping the bills in check if you're down 14 to nothing. So um, that to me, what, what, what Denver will want to do for Buffalo, you know, I'm sure you guys talk, talk about this team all day, every day. And of course, multiple hours a day on your show. Um, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's the consistency and it's the defense and they've been as hampered as anybody because of injuries this year. And some guys still, for you know, Vaughn continuing to work his way back from a significant injury last year. Uh, but if the defense can hold up its end of the bargain, I still believe very strongly in this team's upside. And this, uh, there's been a lot of talk here in Buffalo on our show and, and around town that you know they need to shake things up offensively, not really throw, blow the whole thing yeah. up, but do something to spark some consistency or at least some success that they can build off of. And one of the things that has come up time and time again is, and in this town, it's always like that. Uh, they want to go up tempo. They want to yeah. see the team hurry. They want to yeah. see him go no huddle. They want to see him, um, and want to see, and more Josh Allen kind of thing, you know, just yeah. staying on the football field. Uh, but you're right. It's not about tempo or flash or what shotgun or under center. It's about, um, it's about consistency and they haven't been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and the last thing I'd add to that is um, I would like to see James Cook on the field more myself. You know, that's that's just one person's opinion. It does not mean that it's the only way that this team can be better offensively. I will I will sort of offer this, and it may not do enough to appease the fans that want them to go more up-tempo, is when I've talked to coaches about the downside of going up-tempo, it's pretty straightforward, is if you go up-tempo and you don't succeed – your defense is right back on the field within several real and game time minutes. And if your defense is as impacted by injury as the Bills is right now, then it's a little bit tougher to ask them every single week to potentially play, you know, 32, 33, 34 minutes of game clock time uh, and lose the time position battle because you're going fast. So um, there's plenty of advantages when it's working well, but there's some downside when it doesn't work. And I wonder if that's part of the equation for Buffalo right now, why they haven't been as interested in going up tempo. Field, thanks for picking up a drumstick and uh, banging my James Cook drum along with me here. I've been hitting that for the last few weeks. He's one of the two most dynamic yeah. athletes on the team with Diggs. 
I'd like to see him get yeah. more chances, especially in the passing game, but we'll have to wait and see. From your lips to God's ears, Brownie, I would love to see it. And, uh, <laughs> gentlemen, I hope that uh, it's a good next couple of days here. Did I see on the forecast it's going to be cold and possible snow on Monday night? Don't tell me. I, I don't think there. there's snow in the forecast, uh, we'll Matt, but you know it depends okay. on which weather yeah. app you're looking at. Let me just say, and it'll probably field. change three times between now and then. Anyway. I'll just say this field: if they yeah. predict snow, they are rarely wrong. Oh, ooh, okay, all right, all right. Thanks That's as always, Field. It's like we'll me with fantasy football. I hope. Hopefully, I'm rarely wrong. Yeah. Talk to you soon, gentlemen. <laughs> all right, we'll catch up with you next week. <laughs> all righty. That's Field Yates joining us here with his ultimate fantasy lineup, presented by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Download the app today and make every moment more. Break time for us, but back to your phone calls when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. This week's game against the Broncos is presented by Independent Health. Independent Health, you deserve the red shirt treatment. Look at us. We got our red shirts on today for our MSG viewers. But let's get back to the phones and go to Patrick in South Buffalo. What do you got for us, Patrick? Oh, hi, guys. Great show. Great guys you are. Listen, I want to get back to the topic of Alan uh, calling the plays. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is this. We're never going to know until we try it. That's the bottom line. Here's the reason. You're going to have to beat out Mahomes and be better than Mahomes and Burrow if you're going to get to the Super Bowl and win it. Now, this guy is a winner, Allen. He can get this done. I'm not a pessimist when it comes to him. I'm optimistic. He can do this. I'm, I, I did something about him. You can just feel it. And if we put him in there and he can get this done, you, Diggs will probably want to stay here forever and everybody else. I say if we don't do it and we look back 10 years from now, what if we would have tried? We'll, we'll never know. There's nothing to lose at this stage of the game. He's, we're 5-4. and four. Let's cut him loose and see what he does. Thanks for taking the call. Right. All right, Patrick. Well, he's not the first person that has suggested right. this. Yeah, I get it. Um, the, <laughs> I disagree with it. There's nothing to lose. First of all, yeah, um, you could you could flush the entire season down and not get yourself a chance to playoffs and and all of that other stuff. So um, there is that. Um, the Bills still have in front of them the ability to win this division, um, get a home playoff game, all of that stuff. Uh, if you start doing stuff that is way away from what has have got has gotten them to this point, there is a lot to lose. Um, so I'm, and I'm not one of the guys who are going to tell you that they need to blow this thing up and start from scratch. They're still an incredibly difficult team to beat. They're still incredibly proficient offensively. And I know Bills fans are like, going, I don't know. They haven't. Yeah, okay. Um, they have, they have hit some, a tough stretch here offensively where they haven't scored as many points as you'd like them to. Most of it has been self-inflicted. And that's kind of where I'm sitting. Certainly, they need to get out of their own way, first right. and foremost. And in addition, and I know people hate this because they're tired of hearing the phrase complimentary football, but the defense hasn't gotten takeaways either. They do not have an interception right. in their last five games, and special teams has not helped in terms of the field position battle in probably three of the last four games. So when you roll it all together, 
I know people always point to the offense and say they're not scoring because they look at the score on the board and they say, we're not scoring enough. But there are so many other elements that contribute to that point total. Yeah. And people are like, ah, what does he mean, complimentary football? That's exactly what he's talking about. When the defense can't get takeaways and they're behind on the scoreboard so their pass rush is not effective, and then you have special teams when you are backed up in your own end, not flipping the field and creating long fields for your defense to defend, it all snowballs and you get the results that you get, which is still, with all those deficiencies, one score losses. And I know any loss is a loss, but there, there is something to be said about yeah. complimentary football, no the matter how much is, people don't like the it. The idea is it's you know just to change the entire way you, you're playing your football and getting ready and calling plays and all that, I, I think is, is an overcorrection and has, to, has more of a chance of being counterproductive than actually get, getting you to where you want to be. We have to take a break here because when we begin hour number two, we're going to be doing it with NFL Network's James Palmer. He's based in Denver. While he does cover much of the AFC West and the AFC in general, Denver is his specialty because he's right there under their noses. We'll get the lowdown on the Broncos from him when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two here on a Thursday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And pleased to be joined now by NFL Network reporter James Palmer, who's the host of the NFL Report, which streams on Monday and Thursdays at 7.15 p.m. Eastern time on the NFL channel. Available on the NFL app, fast streaming platforms, and NFL.com slash NFL channel. They got you on every platform imaginable, James. This is impressive. Yeah. Listen, I'm not sure if anybody's watching, but it's not uh, you know, any slight of us trying to put this thing every <laughs> possible spot we can find. <laughs> it's a podcast, yeah. too. You know, it's out there for everything. But it's been a blast. Steve Weich is an awesome ghost. We have great guests on. It's been it's been phenomenal. And it's it's we're week ten of the season. We always have this saying around here that once the season kicks off, it rolls downhill. And you know, even now we're week ten, and we got a lot of football to play. But man, oh man, we've got a lot to talk about so far as well. Uh, the Denver Broncos coming into Buffalo for the Monday night game. They seem to have righted the ship. Uh, maybe a month ago, maybe they bottomed out. Uh, with a loss to Miami, giving up seventy points, and then all of a sudden they reset some things, and now they're playing a lot better. The last three weeks, specifically, the biggest change has been what? It's the defense, right, guys? You mentioned the bottoming out. 70 points is an avalanche of points. That's going to skew any sort of rankings they have, honestly, when you look at it, if you're just looking at statistics for the season, putting them against other defenses. But, like, since week five, they've been the best red zone defense in all football. And they've really turned a corner at a long conversation on the NFL report with safety Justin Simmons last week about what's happened 
with this group. And, and defense coordinator Vance Joseph, he told us, just kind of showed him that it's it's really just missed assignments, guys. It's just one little guy, one little missed assignment here, somebody not working within the framework of the scheme over here, and how close they were. Because remember how talented this defense was a season ago. But it's a new defensive coordinator in Vance Joseph, just getting it some time to come and play together, getting some pass rushers back up front. Baron Browning, definitely a guy to keep an eye on up front, getting after the quarterback, his return off of IR helped, and, and having some healthy guys in the secondary. Defensively, turning the corner has been a big part of this. I don't think we had a lot of patience early with everything Sean Payton wanted to change, and they've kind of started playing with the formula we thought was going to be the Broncos' formula. And I think last week was the first time, or two weeks ago, their last game, first time we really saw that. Run the football at nauseum, kind of limit the amount of massive plays Russell Wilson has to make himself, play great special teams, which is what they're doing, and play solid defense. And that was kind of the recipe in that win over the Chiefs, and that's kind of what they were shooting for. It was really just two weeks ago, the first time we saw it all put together. Yeah, and and as much as the defense has kind of rounded into form here, James, it seems like Coach Payton is is pretty dead set on on helping them with that ball control style, especially when going against an elite quarterback like Mahomes. It, it, it kind of leads mm-hmm. us to think that that approach is almost going to be identical this week against Josh, knowing knowing what he can do if he has too many opportunities with the football. Yeah, I would think it'd be almost identical. I mean, it's specifically on defense, too, some of the things they did up front to go after Mahomes and limit his ability to create and extend plays, which you know Josh is so good at doing that and making plays outside the pocket. It was one of the biggest things that they were able to do up front is you know, making sure you're disciplined with your lanes up front and making sure that you don't, you know, let him get outside. You don't go too wide because both of them can go up the middle in some sense. But really, they thought they did a great job against Mahomes containing him in that sense. And you want to do that against Josh Allen as well. But yeah, to the other side, it's it's run the football. And I think people were a little impatient in a sense. I think I had this conversation a couple of years ago with Brandon Bean. Nobody in the NFL is patient. It just doesn't exist in this league. And with as quickly as Javante Williams, their running back, was coming back off of that massive knee injury a year ago, everybody just thought since he was playing, he'd be himself right away, right? And that's just, that's difficult to be an explosive back coming off the injury he had. It was remarkable that he was even ready to go by week one. And now you've seen him kind of Get some of that explosion back. He's a physical back. They had a rookie in, uh, was it Jalil McLaughlin, that's just been like phenomenal for them out of the backfield as well. So now they're running three backs and trying to keep guys like Josh Allen off the field. And then you get to this point where they just had this nice outing against Kansas City as one of the top teams. And you look at uh, the Bills and, the, you know, everybody's been chasing Kansas City for like six or eight years now. Uh, the yeah. Bills have managed to beat them in the in the regular season, but also the Bills this year became a little bit more like Kansas City in that they found this guy Dalton Kincaid, who up the last couple of weeks has been a Kittle or a Kelsey type of player. He's catching uh, you know eight or ten balls a game for in key moments. He doesn't drop balls. He's very efficient. It looks like Allen is starting to trust him just as much as Mahomes would trust Kelsey. Uh, is there? A thought that maybe Denver is looking at Buffalo with Mahomes and Allen, Kelsey and Kincaid, kind of like they're the same guys? Well, they did a great job against Travis Kelsey the last time they faced him. I mean, they they did a phenomenal job against him. And and you know that that's where the ball is going to consistently go. The difference, I would say, is you have Stephon Diggs, who 
Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes wishes he had a receiver like that right now. I mean, Diggs is one of the best in the game right now and what we've seen throughout the course of this season. That just doesn't exist within the Chiefs offense. So you do have to be aware of Diggs, and obviously we know how good of a corner Patrick Sertan is to kind of line up against him. That's one of the, my favorite matchups of this weekend, getting a chance to see those two go at it a little bit. But yeah, going after Dalton Kincaid and making sure that, I mean, he's really become Josh Allen's number two target, right, after after Diggs. And and this team has done decent against tight ends. Um, and I just really love, actually, personally, the way Kincaid has played of late. He was one of my, my the rookies that I wanted to see break out uh, and thought he was in a very good spot to find success playing with a guy like Josh Allen. It's been fun to watch the last couple of weeks the way he has played, been able to find spots specifically going vertical and throughout the middle portion of that field but yeah I think they have their you know hands full with you know those two guys and obviously there's some other aspects of this offense they need to be aware of but the one on the outside with Diggs and Sertan I'm excited about but inside obviously they need to be able to contain Kincaid. James I I know one of the other reasons that coach Payton has been pounding the football out on the ground is because pass protection has been suspect up front only 19 pass attempts for Russell Wilson last last game out against the Chiefs and from what I'm reading it's basically 10 quarterback pressures and four sacks in 19 dropbacks. That, that's an issue, mm-hmm. especially when you got to go on, a, on the road against the team that's third in the league in sacks here in Buffalo. Yeah, I was having this conversation with Brian Baldinger just the other day, actually, just how difficult it's going to be for this offensive line, specifically because this game is at night. And in Buffalo, you're right. You know how the, the extra jump that could be there. Uh, it's going to be difficult for offensive linemen to hear, difficult for offensive linemen to handle a defensive line like Buffalo has. And it does seem like they're kind of or so right coming back a little bit. He's been battling something, and everybody's waiting for Vaughn to kind of have that breakout sense and have those Vaughn Miller plays we're used to as he's coming back from you know his injury. I, I do think he's the type of player this offensive line really struggles with. Mike McGlinchey. I mean, I, I did their game against the Jets. And there were guys on the Jets team going, like, is is he hurt? Like, is there something – I'm curious. Is there something wrong with Mike McClinchy? Because that, that that was how he was playing, just really stiff, struggling with guys that could really bend around the edge. And we know Vaughn's maybe the greatest of all time of getting low and getting around the corner in that sense. Protecting Russell Wilson has been an issue. But also, I'll say this. Russ has held on to the football quite a bit. We all know that's been his MO his whole career, right? And holding on to the football and, and doing things like that. And now – He's holding on to the football still and not escaping as well as he used to in seasons past back in Seattle when he maybe was a little bit more spry. So I think those two things combined have made things pretty difficult on the way that they've played up front. They got, if you remember, Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers in free agency right at the beginning of free agency because they wanted run graders. And then they weren't running the football consistently at the start of the season. They weren't running it in the second halves of games. And now last week, or I keep saying last week, they had a bye two weeks ago, they did run it, you know, and, and that's what this offensive line's built to do. Their, their, their pass protection is not, to be honest, their strength. And as you get closer and closer to this game, we kind of look at the last couple of weeks for the Broncos uh, before the before the bye, of course, and then the, with the Buffalo Bills, the injuries up front for Buffalo and the fact that Linval mm-hmm. Joseph came in as a brand-new player on the team off the street and got significant snaps last week in the interior line, defensive line. It looks like an obvious contest between the run game and the desire for the Broncos to run the football and a battered defensive line for the Bills. Who's going to win that? And can the Bills force the Broncos to throw the football? I mean, that seems where the crux of that side of the football is going to come down to. 
I, I totally agree, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit there, but that's been one of the issues when I talk to people inside the Broncos building is we've gotten away from the run at times. Even in close games, they've gotten away from the run, and, and I think that was two weeks ago something that you saw them in a close game continuously stick with, and, and I think that was part of their model. They've been better situationally. I think that has helped because they, they have a tendency with penalties – you mentioned that offensive line, whether it's a hold or a false start, and they put themselves behind the chains. And that's obviously what Buffalo is going to want, right? Because then you get yourself in these situations where it's third and long, it's not third and short, and you can't run effectively on first and second down sometimes when you do that to yourself. And, and that's probably what Buffalo is obviously hoping for. But it, when they have the ability to not hurt themselves – and Russ can protect the football. They don't, you know, hurt themselves on early downs. Then they have the ability to stick with the run. And I think that's going to be what the entire game plan is really going to be. And I think you mentioned it. 19 passes for Russell Wilson in the last game. But also, he throws three touchdown passes. And to me, the one that he threw to Cortland Sutton in the back corner of the end zone, where he scrambles up through the line of scrimmage and throws it before the... like I was like, this is the first time I've seen like a real Seattle Russell Wilson play here over these almost season and a half with the Denver Broncos. That was kind of, you know, one of those moments where I was like, this is what I saw in Seattle for a decade. And it's kind of because they're trying to limit putting all of that on him in a sense. And if they can run it and not hurt themselves, yeah, that's going to be the game plan. James, I got a last one for you real quick. Uh, special teams for the Broncos has been impressive. Steve always jokes that the teams that are usually best on special teams are the ones that get the most practice because they're getting scored on so much. And maybe part of that, <laughs> maybe part of that 70 point game is a reason for it. But Marvin Mims has been a revelation. I mean, they're leading the league in kick return average and punt return average and they're top three on cover units as well. What what is it about Marvin Mims that has helped make him so successful this season as a returner? He's been explosive. I mean, he's been beyond explosive, and it's not just a returner. I mean, his number, I think, his phone number was written down in front of Sean Payton's uh, desk while he was talking to the media on Monday because he's like, I got to find a way to get Marvin Mims the football in the offense as well. So look for him catching explosive plays in the receiving game. He's been their most explosive really receiver in a very, very limited capacity but he's been explosive in the kick game and, and and will lutz has been phenomenal since the beginning of the season uh i think he had a miss early that affected him maybe pretty much cost him the game week one and then he's been fantastic the special teams is the other portion that they were talking about really massively overhauling that was one of the biggest things sean payton wanted to change this past offseason he thought the special teams were atrocious in denver and they've done a really good job of it and, and I, I think he brought in the right people the right guys that know special teams on that on that staff to help him with it, and they've been really, really good. So that, that goes with kind of the situational change that has happened of late with the Broncos. James, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you. Yeah, you guys take care. Good seeing you. All right, that's James Palmer, NFL Network reporter and also co-host of the NFL Report, which streams Monday and Thursday at 7.15 p.m. on the NFL channel and also available on the NFL app. Let's transition now to the post-practice podium where Josh Allen is addressing the media. What is the sense of this team right now? Being at five and four and knowing you're running out of room for air here, what is the sense going into this stretch and, and knowing that, that that room for air is not there? Well, the sense is we, we've got our best football to play and it's in front of us. And, you know, we're not going to let the fact that we're five and four make this team and, and divide us apart. Um, you know, we've had stretches where we haven't played up to our standard in the past, and um, we've always found a way through those. So that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to find a way through it. Uh, we got an opportunity Monday night at home um, against a hungry, 
hungry team uh, in the Denver Broncos. So uh, we got to be ready. We got to do everything we can do to, to get a win. What do you pull from those past experiences that you mentioned? Maybe not where you wanted to in certain points of the season, but feel that you guys ultimately worked yourself yeah, I mean, I think just being being in that situation, we understand that adversity is going to happen. Um, that's every football season. That's every team. Um, whether you've got injuries or lulls in your schedule or this or that, it's it's going to happen, and um, that's that's part of the game. We got to find a way to fight through it. And you know, I, I do still feel supremely confident in, in the group of guys that we've got here and the leadership that we've got. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to follow follow our leaders. Um, um, play calling has been something that's been heavily criticized. You've been on record supporting plan week to week. What do you feel like he does in game planning and calling in games that suits you, your strengths in the quarterback? Um, I mean, I think you know we have a very good rapport in terms of uh, him knowing what I what I don't like and what I like. Um, obviously, getting to familiar stuff that our guys like that. You know, we've ran a lot in the past. I think that's um, something that, you know, any offense can benefit from, running familiar concepts and, um, you know, trusting the guys out, out on the field. And, you know, it, it comes down to the guys executing it. You know, he can he can call literally anything on his playbook. He should be able to point at any any given play, and we should go out there and try to execute it and, and execute it to the best of our ability. And um, so, again, that comes down to, to the guys on the field, and, you know, we got to be better for him. Um, I know he's getting... A lot of flack, and I don't know. People, people talk as much as they want to talk, but um, comes down to the 11 guys on the field executing. Josh, you practice today. How is your shoulder now? Like, do you feel like it's improved from last week? Like, where is that? Yeah, much improved. Um, you know, still just taking it day by day, but yeah, we're we're good to go. Um, I think that they're a, a group that's, you know, they're hungry to win. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, they they don't have, I, I wouldn't say any splash names on the defensive line, but that's a group that works extremely well together. Um, they got a former former Cowboy on the team um, in, in Mike Purcell, so that'd be good to see him. But they got guys that work extremely hard, and um, they work together very well. Um, they're they're being called to their strength right now on the defensive side of the ball. They're not they're not bringing a, a ton of pressure. Um, you know, we know about who they have in their secondary, and um, again, guys that are smart and, and really solid, really good football players that play the game the right way. Um, so we got to be ready for whatever they can throw at us, and, and stick to our our game plan and, and make adjustments if we need to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's a key for any any team throughout the years. You got to win at home. You know, you have to make these ones count. Um, obviously, you'd love to win the away ones too, but to have that advantage and to have obviously Bills Mafia in the house uh, making noise and making it hard for the opposing offense and the opposing quarterback, um, you know, it gives us an advantage. So we got to make sure that we do win win at home. But um, you know, our our focus is Monday night and taking it one game at a time. Sean was pretty emphatic with his confidence for the team moving forward, and I would imagine that's kind of a theme and a message that trickles down to everybody. For you, what brings you confidence as a team? Is it past trials and tribulations? Is it knowing the talents you have? I guess, like, what brings that confidence? Um, I, don't, I don't know if you can pinpoint it to one certain one concrete detail or one certain thing, um, but it's the guys that we have in the building. It's It's the amount of 
extra work that our guys put in, uh, the amount of love that our players have for each other, the amount of time we spend with each other outside of the facility. I know it sounds corny to you guys, but I, I definitely think that makes a difference and it's going to pay dividends. Um, I, I strongly believe that and got a lot of love for the guys on this team and you know we're working extremely hard and we don't want to let each other down. That's what it comes down to. There's been a, a lot of people referencing 2021 and when you guys were 7-6. and six. What do you remember about that time and, and what brought you guys out of that at that time? Anything that would apply to 5-4? You know, and four? Um, I mean, I guess just backs against the wall and um, playing playing your best football in the later part of the year, you know, and you can get off to a good start, you can get off to a bad start, um, and you can still make the playoffs depending on how you how you finish the year. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to finish finish each game and, and obviously with a win, but playing our best ball as time goes on and continuing to improve each and every day and, and working hard in practice. Feel the urgency because of the situation and schedule. I know we're not at the end, but can you just, like, around the team, around your teammates, is there is there a sense of that urgency? Well, I mean, I... I yeah, I mean, it, my coach in college used to say they, they remember November. You know, this is this is where real football is starting to be played. And, um, again, like I said, you got to play your best football going into the, the later part of the season. And that's something that, you know, we're looking forward to. We're excited about, um, you know, have an opportunity Monday night to go out there and, and um, again, put our best football on the field. And, you know, if, if we don't, we're going to continue to keep working hard. But, um, you know, it's our job to go out there and, and try to find a win no matter how, how it comes. Sunday night in the post game, I think you said, you know, we're going to figure this out. Um, it's been like a five-game stretch where in one form or another, uh, the offense hasn't been where it's been in the past. So there's kind of a trend associated with that. In terms of figuring it out, like as you're in the meeting rooms and preparing for this game, do you feel like you're close? Do you feel like you've identified maybe what some of those problems are that to get to the better execution and, and that it's right there, um, that, that, that next year is... is yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely feel like we're we're on the verge of of uh, being being the offense that I know we can be. Um, obviously, every every possession counts in this in this game, you know, especially in the later part of the year, um, and we have to make make those drives count. So um, to pinpoint it down to one certain, I, I couldn't tell you exactly what that one thing is, but you know making sure that we're, we're extremely detailed in practice and, and continuing to trust each other and, and get better and ultimately executing on game day. That's that's what it comes down to. What have you seen from Khalil Shakir? He, he's caught his last 14 targets in the last three games. How have you seen him kind of grow? Yeah, I mean, he's a second-year guy. He knows every single position on, you know, on our offense. Um, he doesn't complain. He didn't complain about not getting touches early in the season. Um, he didn't complain about coming in and, and blocking for guys. And not getting any targets, he's just a guy that again, you, you, I have supreme trust and faith in. A guy that does everything the right way, inside the building and out. Um, you know, and he's and he's worked extremely hard to get his chances, and he's making making hay and taking advantage of those opportunities. How much do you appreciate? Follow up real quick. How much do you appreciate a wide receiver that doesn't say, "Hey, get me the ball a little bit more"? Is there is there a little more appreciation there? Um, I mean, yes and no, but you know. Make no mistake, he wants the ball. You know, everybody, everybody on this team feels like that they can help this team with the ball in their hands, and that's what I love about our guys, that they work extremely hard. Um, they have that internal belief in themselves. Um, but, again, we got a lot of selfless guys on this team that just want to help the team no matter, no matter which way they can. Josh, how do you feel? something that you said during the halftime, helping spark I'm not sure how much you get into that, but how many times can a quarterback – 
far as cooking your spots? Yeah, I mean, I've. <laughs> that's a. It's a question I don't know if I have the exact answer to as well. Um, I know there's been some uncertainty in the, this press conference, but that one that one may be the most uncertain in terms of, you know, you don't want to just say things to say things. And I'm I'm not typically a vocal guy. I, I typically just try to try to do and and show. Um, but you know, just having internal conversations with our guys, and um, if I gotta if I gotta say some things, I gotta say some things, and um, that's yet to to be seen. But um, I do know that these guys are these guys are going to be ready to come Monday night. So what you're saying is you're more likely to say one on one than. Yeah, I mean I think so. Um, but again, that's just kind of that's my style, and um, it's got me this far. And you know, if I have to adapt, I'll adapt. Josh, how do you balance you know the sense of urgency and also maybe not playing super tight and maybe overthinking things? How do you kind of walk that line? Yeah, I mean I think it comes down to mindset, and Coach McDermott talks a lot about mindset, but. Especially with the offense, um, just having an attack mindset and, and letting things rip, and um, you know, caring more about about the process than the result. And you know, that's that's where I'm not, you know, that's where I am extremely confident. In our guys, we the process that we have, it works. It's been proven to work. Um, we haven't gotten the results that we've wanted to in the last few weeks, obviously, but continuing to stick to that and trust what we're being told and trust what we're doing um, because, you know, we get this thing right, things are going to be just fine here. It's pretty obvious, like, what Vaughn brings to a team on the field this year, a little bit of an outlier, but what has he meant to the team away from all of that, just, like, straight productivity? What has he meant to everything else? Yeah, I think, again, uh, when you talk about the mindset piece um, and being a vocal leader, that's that's who he is, and for him to have all the knowledge that he has and pass it down to um, the guys that we have in that, especially in that D line, in that D line group with Ed, AJ, and Greg, and um, making sure that he's given them everything that, that he can, uh, not just physically but mentally and, and emotionally as well. And um, that's where we love him. And you know, Vaughn's still ramping things up. And once Vaughn gets going, watch out. Hey guys. All right, that's Josh Allen addressing the media after practice today, and. You heard, well, we heard Sean McDermott earlier today speak to how confident he is in his team. Now, he also said in the same breath, that doesn't mean we don't have things we have to fix. That doesn't mean we don't have work that we have to do. That doesn't mean there aren't things that we have to reestablish the standard for. But he is resolutely confident that whatever needs fixing will be fixed and they'll be off and running again. And I think you heard that echoed and a lot of what Josh Allen said here this afternoon. Yeah. I think, they're, I think they feel really good about go, themselves going mm-hmm. forward, no question about it. I, I think they feel like their defenses are getting a handle on what they've got to work with, and I think they feel like they're going to get healthier. Um, I think guys like Greg Rousseau are coming back, bouncing back. Leonard Floyd had some moments during, in the Cincinnati game where that guy was a buzzsaw. He continues to play at a high level. Um, getting Benford – Back off the concussion protocol will help greatly. Terrell Bernard. Or Terrell Bernard. Uh, Benford getting him healthy again, although he's been, he seems to be nicked up quite a bit. But he'll be fine. So I'm, I, I think they have this real sense of optimism around the building as this sec thing gets to the second half of the season that they're going to be able to make some hay, get into the playoffs, and they're going to feel like they have a gear to shift into that maybe they haven't even had to go to yet. We're going to take a break here, but when we come back, we hope to have Von Miller addressing the media after practice today. We'll see where 
he is feeling in terms of his recovery from the ACL surgery now that he's already played a handful of games. What's on the horizon for him? We'll find out from him when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here on Thursday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We're going to go right back out to the post-practice podium where Von Miller is now addressing the media. What do you make of facing the block? Um, it, I mean, it, it'll be fun. It'll be different for sure. Um, it'll be fun. Um, it's not like a revenge game or or anything like that for me. Like, I left on good terms, left and went to go win a Super Bowl. Um, I had a great relationship with everybody in that facility. Um, didn't have any bad blood with anybody in there. So for me, it was like I didn't want to leave. You know, I I cried real tears when I left. So it's to see them again and to see that organization winning and starting to do better is, you know, a treat for me. Um, it's not like it, it, it would never be the, the other way around for me. Um, 11, it was 10 and a half years there, 11 years there. Um, I've seen, I've had so many different players come through there that I've built special relationships with. Um, went to two Super Bowls there. Got to play with Peyton Manning, Chan Bailey, DeMarcus Ware, Tim Tebow. Um, to like the young leaders there now, like Justin Simmons and Patrick Sertan and Gary, Bo- Gary Bowles. I remember when these guys got drafted, you know, and they were rookies, you know, coming in for uh, rookie mini camps and, and all of these things. And I, and I really um, value my relationships with the players, especially the young players. So um, not any bad blood at all. You know, I want to be a GM, you know, one day in the NFL. And, you you know, those are some of the things that you just understand about, you know, the game. So um Definitely not any bad blood. I check up on all those guys. I feel like you know I played for Sean Payton before. You know as as much as I, as much as I, I've, I've heard from you know him about the from the other players. You know I went to Cortland Sutton's wedding this off season, in Cabo, and Russ was there, and you know, um, and K Jack was there, and of course Cortland and Jerry Judy and all the guys. So I'm still keeping touch with with Tim Patrick and you know all the guys. So. It'll never be bad blood on my end. Um, it's just, you know, I know it's, key, it's, it's uh, cliche, but it's really just another game, you know, for me. Uh, I haven't played there in two years. Um, I didn't get to play for the, the you know, the, the owner that's there now and, you know, the head coach that's there now. So a lot has changed since I've been there. Um, but one thing that would never change is my love for Broncos country. Um, they were with me through everything from, you know, coming in as a rookie, um, to getting injured twice, and um, of course both Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty MVP, um, they've they've always been the same, never changed. Uh, the the fans there, I still I, I be on Twitch now, and I still get like random messages from the fans from Broncos country. So that'll always be love, one hundred percent. And you know, this is just uh, another game for me. Um, definitely want to play better this game. Um, I felt better last game. But obviously, it's still some things that I'm I'm trying to work through. 
but I felt great last game. That was the first game where I really wasn't thinking about like my knee or this or that. It was just football. So definitely want to build on that and you know get going. You know it's it's uh it's time. No need to sound an alarm, but it's getting close. So um I'm I'm excited and you know it's the next game. It's, it's it truly is the next game and it it, it just happens to be the Denver Broncos. They have not Man, that's my guy Flip. Shout out to shout out to equipment manager over there, Flip. Man, still taking care of me over there. I know it's Flip. You know he did the same thing for Champ Bailey and all of those guys. So shout out uh, Flip and and Harry and Kenny Powers and and all of those guys. It'll always be love. But I know that I know the restriction on the number is coming from one man, and that's uh, and and that's Flip. So shout out to Flip. Yvonne, you mentioned your relationship with, with uh, younger players. You've talked really highly about Greg Rousseau since you've, you've come here. He's, he's like yourself, trying to play through something right now with the foot injury. How have you seen him um, you know, react to that and, and deal with the challenge of playing, trying to play through something? Uh, it's same grit. You, couldn't, you wouldn't be able to know talking to him. Um, you wouldn't be able to know the way he walks around a facility and he goes throughout his uh, processes every single day. Um, and that's just the type of guy that he is. That's the type of guys that we all are. You know, not making excuses for anything. You know, the end product is the end product, and it's all about, you know, getting to Sundays and playing your best ball. In this case, it would be Monday. So um, Greg is, uh, is a special person. He's smart. Um, obviously, is, he's gifted, you know, mentally and physically. And, you know, at this point in the season, everybody's dealing with something. You know, if you look at everybody on, the, on our roster, everybody's dealing with a little bit or something. You know, you still got to go out there and play. And that's all 32 teams. I'm sure everybody on, on all 32 teams is, is it's a star player dealing with something. So you just got to keep going and push push through it. That's what makes our game great. That's what make, makes our game beautiful. And, you know, that's why the fans watch. It creates, you know, some type of uncertainty. And you just go out there and you just play your best to, you know, to put all that uncertainty to sleep. I'm sure if you were talking about players only meeting this week from your experience what what's the benefit of those in season when maybe you're struggling a little bit and getting a chance to just be in there with your teammates um it's just a sense of ownership um this is our team you know i really i've never especially in the nfl i've never looked at it as coach's team or the owner's team even though financially it is but um i've always looked at it as our team you know ownership and whatever plays we get, uh, whatever system that we're running, I've always looked at it. There is no magic call. We we have to bring all of this stuff to life. So whenever you have a, a players-only meeting, it's it's just all about ownership, and that's where you really get the best benefits of uh, of playing great ball and guys being aware of the type of ball that we're playing. Is is having complete ownership of everything that we do in that football field because it's just it's just us out there, and the more ownership that you have. You know, the more self-awareness that you have, the more team awareness that you have, and you can easily adapt and evolve to whatever adversity or problems that the season brings. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's 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 always good. You know, it's you know, ownership is always good. I, I love that. You know, um, mentally, I. You know, I've, I fall in love with the mental aspect of not only football but of life and, you know, to really have the right perspective on things. Um, whenever you have player-only meetings like that, it's, it's all about perspective and ownership, and I, and I love those, those moments for sure.
Well, I'm saying that you're close and you really felt the best you did last week. Is there something mentally in facing your former team to drive you to show them the best version of you <laughs> that might show up on Monday? No. If you know what I'm saying? No, I mean, like I said, it's not like a revenge game or anything no, like that. You know, every time I go out there, I try to, I try to, not only whoever is watching, you know, that this is the best version of myself. So it really doesn't matter who we lined up. It, I, I can see if we left it on bad terms. I can see if, you know, they treated me bad there or, or anything like that. I, I reflect back on my time there, and I don't think it's any other star player in the league that was treated the way I was treated. You know, I was, I. You know, Ryan was there. Ryan was there with me. They, they loved me there. You know, the, my coaches, my players, the players there, the front office ladies, the fans there. Everybody loved me there. So it, it's I don't have that type of that type of motivation or influence to go out there and play well and show these guys this or that. I just want to go out there and play well for me. And um, you know, it's you know I haven't had a sack or even a tackle this this whole season. So. It's really all about me and showing myself, you know, and it, it, the Denver Broncos just happen to be the team on the schedule. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way, it, it, and pardon me for 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 rephrasing that. I meant it as a sign of respect to your former teammates in seeing and showing you, and you playing at your best as a sign of respect to your former teammates. And what would it be, maybe a coincidence, or what would it mean to you to be at your best in showing your former teammates what what? Man, what it would be amazing to go out there and be um, Von Miller of Super Bowl Fifty. That would, I mean, that would be, that would, that would be amazing. And not only for this game, but for the game after that, and for the rest of the season, and into the playoffs, and and into the Super Bowl. You know, that is that has been my mission, um, and that has been my 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 view and my perspective. So, the Denver Broncos just—they really do just happen to be the next team, especially for me at my point of, uh, you know, this this season. You know, I'm really just trying to to improve and develop, and you know, recapture some of the things that I did in the past. And the Denver Broncos just happen to be next. You know, if I had been balling out and and having multiple sacks, you know, it might be a, a different um, viewpoint on this game. But I'm just trying to get back in my rhythm again, and the Denver Broncos just happen to be next. Well, kind of Lines, you know, everyone understands. All right, that's Von Miller addressing the media here this afternoon, asked being asked a lot of deep thought questions here about. You know, his future and how his knee is coming around and what he thinks about when he's out on the field. And I was, I don't know, like that was, it was almost too deep for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, got a game on Monday night, you know, guy's going to do his best, go out there and do what he can do. And right. he's probably not all the way back yet, but he's on the right track, I think. And we've seen evidence of that, um, maybe most noticeably in the Tampa game. And I would think a home game could give him a slight advantage. You know, knowing the noise factor is going to impact this offense. And it's, as we discussed with James Palmer, Steve, an offensive line that has had trouble protecting the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think it gives you some insight as to where his mind is. He know, I mean, he knows his own statistics. He hasn't, you know, hasn't notched a sack or anything this year. He's trying to, you know, we've all said he's getting better and better, getting more and more snaps. And I think he knows, too, that he's got a ways to go before he recaptures some of it. I think it also says he's working towards that. And I think he believes it's out there. I think a player of his caliber and the situation he's at, you don't, you don't kind of keep going until unless you feel like, yeah, I've got something yeah. in the tank that I can go get. And you can kind of see his mindset of getting to that point. And, you know, we talked about it, you know, in the big picture, all the fans are like, well, we don't need Vaughn for the first half of the season anyway. We just need him for the playoffs and the and da 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 
he he might be on that program. Yeah. Um, and hopefully he'll be back and he'll be the old the Von Miller we know and love when uh, the, the playoffs do start and this team is in them. Break time for us here. Steve and I come back to close some things up here, including maybe a phone call if we can squeeze one in here at 803-0550. Back in a flash here on One Pills Live. Stay tuned. All right, back here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we're going to try to squeeze a phone call or two in here before we're off. Let's go to Jason in Rhode Island. What do you got, Jason? Hey, Chris and Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I heard you talking earlier about the banged-up secondary and possibly having to call up either Josh Norman or maybe Jamarcus Ingram. Right. If, if I recall correctly, there used to be a rule about veteran players being called up, I think it was three or four times, having to be added to the active roster. If that's still the case, do you think that might factor into their decision to call up uh, Ingram over Norman? And if they have to add Norman to the active list, who, which position group do you think they would release? I know the, the D-line's got a lot of numbers, but they're also banged up. So yeah. appreciate uh, any insight on that. It'll probably be one for one, corner for corner. Um, yeah, and four is the maximum. And you're right. There, that will it, Yes, the number of activations they have for each position or for each guy will factor in. But they're, you know, they're they're very hesitant to bring those guys up anyway. So the getting to four times, diff, four different times, because if they come up and they, they bring them up, they'll know whether maybe this is going to be for a couple of weeks rather than, you know, down up down up down up. So uh, there's plenty of time with just two months of the season to go. They got lots of space with those numbers as the season gets shorter. Yeah, I believe it. Norman has been called up twice now. And I believe Ingram, Ingram has been called up twice. Once you get to the fourth time, they're required to be signed to the roster. So you got some room to play with, not a ton. And, you know, if you get closer to the end of the season, by the time you have that fourth elevation and there's a player with a severe in- injury, then you just add him to the roster anyway because you need somebody healthy. Steve will be in here with Chris Trapasso tomorrow with Greg Cosell. They'll see you at one. 